Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, OG5? It's another Monday and we're here and it's a big show tonight. Got a lot of information packed in tonight's show, but we're going to go ahead and get started. Joining us, as always, from Las Vegas, Nevada is my co-host and my brother Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing good. Doing very good. And returning to the show, uh, second time on this show, third time on the network, is the founder of NSNG. He is now a two-time documentarian, we'll get to him momentarily, and an author of two books, the one, the only, Vinny Tordridge. Vinny, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm great, guys. How are you? Fantastic, all things considering. Actually, thanks to you, I am down 34 pounds since mid-October. Whoa, you mean this crap works? I know, according to some, they don't know who you are, right? Yeah, some people would tell you that, hey, you can't sustain this. It doesn't work. It's all a hoax. You know, it's, I hear it all. Now, Gordon, I know how women are when it comes to diet loss. I'm sure she don't want you throwing numbers out there, but let's just ask you, has your wife maintained her projected goals so far? Is she happy with the outcome of NSNG? We are actually neck and neck. Oh, really? Yes, we are. Um, now, that being said, we, we were good all the way through Christmas, and we slipped a little January 1st. Kind of came off a little bit, maybe like 70% compliance, but now uh, we're back on it. So it was it's a little difficult sometimes, but, uh, man, once you have that one piece of bread, it's like <laughs> off a cliff, you know? Yeah. You know, it, I always say it's not a shame to get knocked down. It's only a shame if you stay down. Absolutely. So you did the right thing. Yes. So and, uh, I hear it all. real quick, as we're saying, Vinny, your second documentary, the follow-up to the first one, Fat the Documentary, Fat the Documentary Part 2, is out on iTunes and Amazon Prime. I started watching it last night. i got to finish up tonight after the podcast. How is the reception on that going so far? You know, we, we, I'm, we're all shocked Um, because, you know, when you do fat a documentary, look, when you do your first documentary, I wasn't expecting much. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if a few people see it, maybe a couple more people might see it. Who knows? Well, when you find out it's on 65 VODs around the world and it's on major airlines and people are on Malaysian airlines and taking pictures of, your documentary on their seat screen and all this kind of stuff, it, it gets pretty heady. You know, when, when you beat out, you know, movies like um, uh, uh, Alex Hanold, uh, what was that movie um, when he's climbing up? Um, oh, uh, Free Climb? Free, yeah, Free Solo. And free Solo, yeah, that's the one. You beat them on iTunes and all this stuff. It just becomes like a joke. Sure. Right? When you have that kind of, and that's what happened with the original Fat, a documentary. And you know, so when I started editing that a documentary too, I, I was like, look, you know, there's no way, you know, how do you beat Rocky one? You know, <laughs> how do you beat the Godfather? You know, right, and, right. and by the way, I'm not comparing myself to that. I'm just comparing myself to people who put out great first movies. And then the second movie came and it was just as good. 
so I had those movies in my head. It's like, look, they did it. You know, Stallone was able to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Mario Puzo, who put out Godfather, you know, well, he wrote the book and, you know. But you got to stop it, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, there is no third Godfather. It's only Godfather <laughs> one. Um, I was hoping that I wasn't actually making Godfather three when I did my second <laughs> documentary. And, you know, and look, I, I had to edit it myself. I didn't have the help of Peter Pardini. He was on the phone with me a bunch. And it's my first time of, of you know, directing and editing a, a film. But I, I, I know how to tell a story. I've written two books and uh, I do five podcasts a week. I can, I can formulate a story. And that's what a, that's what a documentary is. It's, it's telling a story. So I just kept that in my head and just kept editing. And, and, and before I knew it, I had a documentary. I, you, you know, you, you never have confidence in yourself in these things. So I called Gravitas, the people who, you know, put my first movie out. And I got Brendan on the phone. Um, and I said, listen, uh, Brendan, there's the Gallagher brothers who own Gravitas and they're the president and CEOs. And I said, Brendan, I'm, I'm not, I'm doing a movie. I'm going to put it on YouTube. I'm not going to give it to you guys. And they were like, why? And I said, because it's not what I did before. This, this is not what, what I did. So I your did personal bar was set pretty high and you didn't think you're going to be able to achieve that same, same quality right. of film. Yeah. And, and there was no Peter Pardini, you know, in there. So you have all of this going on. And he said to me, just send it to me. I'd like to see it. Maybe I can. I said, look, it's already edited. It's, it's baked. I'm not changing anything. It's going up on YouTube next week. And he said, just, just send it over. I like, I'd like to see it. So look, I mean, we have a great relationship. I sent it over. I kind of squinted and oh, I don't want to send it. Professional courtesy. Pressing, yeah. I, pressing the button send you know, <laughs> was can't take it back now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, no, come back. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I got I got an email and the phone started ringing about two hours later. The movie is only 90 minutes long. So, you know, the president of Gravitas sat down right there in his office and watched the whole thing. And he said, we have to have this movie. Now, Fantastic. you have to understand the first movie was the number one grossing movie ever in the history of Gravitas Ventures. And I have the president saying, we have to have this movie. And I was like, come on. You know, and he, he started, he started dealing against himself. I was saying no. And he was like giving me more favorable deals just, just to have it. And at some point it got embarrassing and I said, okay, let's get the suits together tomorrow and um, we'll see if we can work out a deal. And I'm, I'm as shocked as anyone else because people are watching this movie the way they watched the first one. What, what, what did you think, Don? Like I said, I got through the first half cause I discovered that it was out cause I know it re released on iTunes on January 1st. Yeah. And um, it just came out on Amazon and I, I'm not an Apple product owner. So um, I really don't do much with iTunes. So I started watching it on late last night on Amazon and the quality of it. Um, it's nice to see some of the people from the first one are back. 
Um, very informational. I like how you guys start getting more into the uh, world of the new fake meats that's out there, the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Burgers, and stuff like that. Like I said, I'm halfway through it, but um, th it's just as good as the first one. And it's very educational. And and kind of like your friend Adam Carolla says, the best thing about a documentary, a good quality documentary, is you don't have to have a huge investment into the subject matter before you watch it. If the documentary is good, the time you turn away from it, regardless of what the subject matter, if it's done properly, you'll enjoy it and you'll learn something. And obviously I, I had the background with your first one and with Gordon doing NSNG and I used part of, you know, some of that stuff in my weight loss. I was just excited to, to get more information and to see um, how things are progressing. And so it's, it's right on point with the informational aspect of it and the production value. Now, how much of your post-production was done during COVID or was this, were you, you know, do you have all the, the editing and all that done prior to COVID? Uh, 100%. It started during COVID, wow. right around the beginning of COVID. You know, I, I get antsy. Um, I guess we had been, you know, at first they said it was going to be like a 15 day lockdown and we went past that. And then after the first month, they were like, well, we, we we're locked down indefinitely. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And that's at that point, I said, I, I got extra time on my hands. You can only exercise for so long every day. And you know, you know, idle hand, idle hands at a devil's workshop and all that good stuff. So it was easy for me to just sit down and start tinkering with it. Like I said, Peter was working on a different project. But, you know, there were a lot of calls at two o'clock in the morning and hey, you know, two o'clock my time, but it was still he was in LA. So it was 11 o'clock. And hey, what do I do with this? So how do I make this happen? And so he was very generous in helping me do that. So Peter Pardini is, is a real stud, my opinion. Now, the reason we're having you on tonight, other than to promote your documentary, um, last couple of episodes over here on the What's in Your Head podcast, we have been talking about um, the ever-expedient deplatforming of people. And um, to be honest, in the last couple of episodes, most of deplatforming we were talking about, it, it tends to be political-based. But then I discovered and I heard you talking on a podcast about something happening to you which is very important to present why the cancel culture is dangerous because you never bring political stuff into your, your podcast, your, your interviews, anything like that. And the stuff you're getting the platform for and shadow banned for has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with anybody's sexual preferences, any of the taboo stuff that we've been taught not to talk about. And the fact that you're getting deplatformed for what you do just kind of shows quote unquote, the slippery slope and how insane things are getting. Before we get into that, to kind of build the foundation of why it's insane for what happened to you to happen, for the for our listeners who aren't quite familiar with your background, obviously we said the documentary stuff, you wrote two books, um, you do a podcast. Give just a quick elevator pitch on your background and why what, what will get to happen to you, why it's so ridiculous as far as your background and you know your credibility. Yeah, you know, I've been working in the health and fitness field for 40 years. I have a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition and uh, from Tulane University, which is no crappy school. Um, I've been I've only done one job my entire life, you know, I've worked with people to get them healthy. 30 of my 40 plus years were spent in LA, mostly working with, you know, Hollywood elite, you know, actors, actresses, comedians, you name it. And um, you know, just just a lot of water under that bridge. Um, I wrote 
a children's book first as a goof, and it became, uh, you know, profitable and, and very well received a book called Monty. Um, and then a few years later, I, I wrote Fitness Confidential, which became a really big deal. And oddly enough, 10 years down the road, almost nine years, it's still a big deal. Um, I'm shocked that that book, you know, every year, you know, the one thing I, I asked my accountant is like, how well did I do with the book? Yeah, I don't even count on that income. And I'm always happy to hear that number because I'm not a guy that's supposed to be able to write a book that becomes a thing. But it did. Uh, the book was one of the early books along with Gary Taubes's books um, that kind of introduced uh, low carb to the world. My podcast was definitely the first podcast when, when the internet got introduced to low carb. Um, there might have been one or two other people, you know, meandering around or circling the wagon. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly didn't, you know, but I, I was right there at the beginning. Um, and here we are. And, you know, when I first wrote the book, I refused to put the word ketogenic in it because I was so worried that everyone would say he's talking about ketoacidosis. So I wouldn't even use the word keto in the book. I just called it no sugars, no grains or NSNG or low carb. I used other terms to try to get around the word ketogenic. Um, and on, on and on. And here we are, you know, um, 10 years on the podcast, we've done close to 1800 shows, we do five shows a week. Uh, you mentioned Adam Carolla, I do his show, I used to do it twice a month, but I'm living in Virginia now. So I do it once a month. Um, but I'm kind of their in house go to guy for health and fitness and uh, that sort of thing. I'm part of that Corolla family, I guess you can say. Now, one uh, of the important things about social, uh, having podcasts and having a business in general nowadays is social media footprint. And mm -hmm. um, you're on Instagram and you noticed uh, some of your, the views on your photos aren't getting the wide range they do. And it's always fun when you look at how many followers you have on a page versus how many people are actually seeing your content. And you start to wonder what's going on. And I know another great thing about your community, um, you guys have a Fitness Confidential private Facebook group, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And people go in there and they share their story of their weight loss. They share photos. But once again, it's a private group. You got to apply to join. Uh, you got to be approved by an administrator. Um, everybody there is there with a shared goal of losing weight or maintaining weight loss. Or if, you know, a lot of people who are in fitness are there to prop other people up, give them motivation. And so it's not like it's a toxic environment. It's not like you guys are there talking political stuff or bad mouthing people, but something interesting on your Facebook platform happened within the f this month. Get a little bit in into that. Yeah. The Facebook group uh, cropped up out of, um, and you brought up Instagram and Twitter. I'll, I'll talk about those too, if you sure. want. Um, but the Facebook group started right after the, the, the podcast became popular. Um, it, it, Vinny Tortorich's No Sugars, No Grains group. It's always been a private group. So you have to, you have to ask to be in a group and then they make sure that you're not coming in to, to do any kind of weird propaganda stuff. You know, it's all sure. in the app. As you mentioned, I don't do politics. I don't do any of that. I'm just trying to help people. And the group has close to 30,000 people. I'm, I'm saying close to 30, it's like 28,000 or 29,000 or something. Everyone there wants to be there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of these people have lost, you know, your brother, 
over there. Gordon has lost 37 pounds, but some of these people have lost three and 400 pounds. I'm not making that up. Um, a hundred pound weight loss is nothing in that group. Yeah. These are people I, I go in there and read the story sometimes and, and I get a bit teary eyed, you know, I can't believe what these people are doing and how they've changed their life when they tell their stories in that group, man, it's all just good, positive vibes. Right. So that's, that's what it is. It's you've never seen anything like it. You know, it's, you know, if someone starts acting like a jerk, they just kick them out of the group. Sure. You know, there's a lot of admins. And about five or six weeks ago, we, you know, I started getting these emails from, <laughs> from Facebook. Hey, you, you're the administrator of the site. You've been dinged for, you know, content. And I was like, huh? what kind of content could they possibly be talking about? Um, and one of them was one of the other admins was calling another guy a jerk, but they're friends. It was like they were talking about jerky or something. Since and when is jerk, jerk hate jerk speech? Or, <laughs> I mean, or, or, I don't know, but I guess they took it as hate speech, you know. And uh, an, another favorite was, um, um, it was bacon so, fat. Yeah, somebody was sharing a recipe they, about they bacon fat. Yeah, someone's yeah, someone said, Hey, how how do I what's the best way to make eggs? And some people were going, Oh, I like to cook them in butter, I like to fry them in olive oil and, and or coconut oil. Everyone was in and one guy goes, I just cook my bacon first and I just leave the bacon fat in the pan. And we got dinged for bacon fat. That was a hate crime. Um now I'm not making this up, by the way. And I started seeing this and I was like, What? What? This is a joke, right? At first, I thought it was a joke, but it, it's real. Now, just for context, you thought somebody was trolling you. Yeah. Just for context, how roughly when? How many years ago did this private group start? I want to say around 2012. So it's about nine years old now. So for nine years, like you're growing. You're growing a crowd. You never ever had a problem. Once again, you guys, if someone does come in there and get no. rude, you boot them out. You've never had a problem. You've never been notified by Facebook. But all of a sudden, here we are, February 1st. We're into 2021. We just made it through 2020. Um, halfway through 2020, we start seeing more and more people getting canceled for all sorts of things. But once again, as I preface it, this has nothing to do with politics. You're not on there. has nothing to do with COVID. has nothing to do with anything other than people who join your community who had success and tremendous weight loss sharing recipes and fooling around with their friends, calling each other a jerk. And you're starting to get dings and multiple dings on your Facebook page. Curious. Yeah. With big threats. Uh, if this continues, you know, you only get so many chances. They don't tell you how many chances you get, by the way. Yeah. They never but do. If we, if you, uh, if you get enough of these, we will just dismember the group. And, you know, I, I wish, you know, we have it all photo. Um, you know, everyone's got photos of it as the admins. So that when they do kick us off, we can show everyone why we were kicked off of Facebook. Um, but yeah, this all started about five or six, right before, right around the end of December 2020. And um, it's just sad that they're going to make that group just disappear. By the way, um, Don, you don't know me from Adam. Nope. Uh, Gordon, you don't nope. know me. Um, what would you guess my politics are? Right, left? What, what right in the center somewhere. Would you say center, Don? Yeah, center-ish, yeah. What well, would you say, Don? 
you're you're among probably like-minded people. I would say center, maybe center left due to the years you spent in California. But in 2021, the fact that you have photos of yourself uh, reloading ammunition because you like to shoot shotguns, the Internet's going to peg you hard right regardless, regardless of what your personal views are. So you're in a damned if you do, damned if you do situation. I, I, yeah, when it comes to guns, I um – I uh, I do an Olympic sport called skeet. Mm-hmm. It's an international Olympic sport, and everyone who does that sport reloads you because have to. it's it, yeah it's it's the only way you can afford to to do the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and number one and number two, you're not just filling up a landfill with with hulls. You know, you're using these hulls ten or twelve times mm-hmm. versus one time and tossing them in the trash. Um, so, yeah, that that's why people reload. Um, but to answer your question, we have no idea because you are very um, proactive about not really discussing right. anything I, that may it, it, give that answer away. Because your your whole goal in life is to help people's fitness, not to you know lean one way or next on on someone else's political views. Right. Um, I, I just asked both of you, and you you both said no, somewhere in the middle, maybe middle left. And I'm guessing you're thinking middle left because I, I spent 30 years in California. Sure. You know, um, my best friend is gay. That usually means something to the left. But mm-hmm. you don't know. You know, you, you, no one knows because I never talk about my, you know, Adam Carolla goes, well, he wears cowboy boots and he drives an F-150. Maybe he's to the right. You know, you know, he's a comedian. He can make those jokes. But um, we'll say you're politically ambiguous. But then yeah, again, I, Barbara Streisand's husband drives a Raptor, so that doesn't tell you anything. Does he really? <laughs> yes. I met him once. Yeah. Uh, at, I met him at Adam's studio. I was giving up my seat and he was coming in. Um, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, no one can guess what my political, you know, people have guessed because of what I drive that mm-hmm. I'm one way. People have guessed as to who my business partner is that I'm one way. But I, no one knows who I vote for or how I lean because I simply never talk about it. Which is a very, that's a very nice old school way of thinking because I remember back in the day or being, I should say, a lot of people would not really display their political leanings. Look, it's my decision and I keep it private, you know, between me and my wife. I get it. Yeah, And that's a very important key to the story. Now, for those of you playing at home, who cares? Facebook danger. Well, there's a thing called shadow ban. And basically what that means is out of those 30,000 people who voluntarily joined his private group, Facebook will automatically, if they feel like you're up to something suspect or you start getting dings, the stuff you share, even though you have 30,000 people wanting that content, they may decide to share that with 10,000 of those 30,000 people. They may decide to allow the content you post in this private group to show up on the timeline of 500 people. So they can greatly reduce the number of, of the people who joined your group voluntarily who were active in it with by minimizing your posts on their timeline feed. So as far as they know, you haven't posted anything in two months because they haven't physically gone there to see. Because you are stepping over something that they don't like. But it gets worse. Um, you discovered something happened to your wiki page? Yeah, um, Wikipedia has always been a um, just a, a total like one day, um, maybe uh, in twenty thirteen or fourteen, when I gained some popularity, um, someone said to me, "Hey, do you know you're on Wikipedia?" And I was like, "Well, huh? How how does that happen?" And I went to Wikipedia, and sure enough, there was a Wikipedia page, and um, 
I found out later that one of my nephews started the page like he was the first person to say, Hey, this guy's from Donaldsonville, Louisiana, because my hometown had a page. Mm -hmm. So I guess my nephew thought, Oh, I'll, I'll just since, since he's part of this town, and he's written books, and he's done all this stuff, why not? You know, he's one of the more popular people from this town. So he's the town, the town son done good. Yeah, yeah, one of them, you know, there's a few from my town, but uh, I'm one of them. And um, so I, I found out later that my nephew started it. Anyway, it got bigger. I, I never knew how it grew. I didn't know how I still don't know how to put anything on Wikipedia. But I'm told that is done by people who can, you know, who know about you and who can substantiate it. They found out everything where I, you know, that I taught at Newman School and, and New Orleans, where, you know, the Manning kids went to school. So, you know, I was there during those times when Archie's kids were in those schools. And they even found out that I was friends with Archie Manning, you know, when I was down there. And um, they figured out that I trained celebrities and mentioned some of the celebrities, which was shocking to me, because I don't mention the celebrities that often. Um, so that, you know, it was oddly correct. They, they had almost everything about me correct. The one thing that wasn't correct, I wish I can remember the actor's name, they they claimed that I had trained an actor who um, it wasn't Brian Dennehy. It, it was someone else who I'd never met. Right. But everything else was was oddly accurate. Well, one day it was gone. It was just gone. And the way I found out about it was I was getting ready to interview this great scientist uh, from England, Malcolm Kendrick, who had been on my Friday show several times. And he said, yeah, he goes, you know, my people just called me and told me that my Wikipedia page was taken down. And I was like, huh, mine's going strong. I, I think, I don't know. I, I don't even know how they, and he, he's like, I can you know, hear him. T -t 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 -t. And he comes back and he goes, I don't see a Wikipedia page for you. It's not wow. there. So I looked and sure enough, I had been taken down. And for your audience, my wife is a celebrity. She's, um, she's an actress and she had a Wikipedia page and she still does. But they removed me from her Wikipedia page. And later on that day, I checked my hometown of Donaldsonville. They removed me from that too. So you've been scrubbed completely from Wikipedia. Now, yeah, as if, yeah. And so people are watching us at home saying, well, what did he do? What, what, what's the bad thing that Vinny did? And I haven't talked to you about this. Um, I want to save it all for the air. I have some speculation. The only thing you do, Vinny, is you put out information and documentation and documentaries about how sugar negatively affects the human body, how right. eating red meat actually positively affects the human body, how eating um, real fat satiates you to prevent you from eating junk foods and snacks. And obviously, Wiki Wikipedia, I don't believe they have sponsors. Look, it's not uncommon for public figures to have corporate jobs, like let's say Howard Stern back in the past, or anybody who works in radio. You don't want to talk bad about a company that may sponsor you because then you lose sponsors. Your, your management gets upset, and then you possibly get fired. Wikipedia doesn't have advertisements running on their page. As far as I know, they're not making money off of selling advertisements for Starbucks, Wendy's, McDonald's, Skittles candies, um, the Impossible Burger. So the question is, is but clearly, look, it's, there's no leaps and bounds that 
the West Coast, big tech industry and some of those other industries, they are into the the vegetarian lifestyle. They're into the Impossible Burger stuff. They're into the, the you know, all these different types of doing things. I guess my question is, is who went knocking on Wikipedia's door and saying, hey, um, this guy's upsetting some people? I mean, could it possibly be anything else other than you upsetting people and, I guess, due to lack of better phrase, big, big, big sugar and big junk food? Well, we've had a few people look into it. Um, apparently, uh, the page is still, it's Wikipedia have it, they have it dinged and it's in the background somewhere where, where people can't see it. Sure. Um, we got to the person who pulled it down and my attorney asked, um, that's the weird thing is like everything now, I, I have to have an attorney around the clock. Oh, it's, dear God. It's nice. So I, I have an attorney on, on retainer and, um, I said, go, go sick, go see what's doing. And um, they were like, yeah, we can't substantiate one thing about this guy. And my attorney said, well, what do you need to know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it says he, he wrote a book, you know, you can go right to Amazon. That book is there. It says he, he did this movie. You could go to Amazon iTunes or any other VOD around the world. And the movie is there. How can you not? And they were like, eh, we're good. We don't care. Um, and I'll say this, and I'm not talking out of turn because he's talked, he's talked about this. It happened to a guy I know, Abel James, who Abel and I started podcasting around the same time, same kind of subject. Um, he, he and I were, you know, just kind of trucking along with our podcast and our audience and growing everything. And then he, he had the, the fatal flaw of going on television. He did one of these shows where they, they took trainers. One trainer was a vegan trainer. He was the low carb guy. And they, they had like a Mediterranean diet guy and the whole thing. Well, he kicked ass, you know, the low carb guy beat everybody else on the show with his, you know, people. Sure. And so Abel was clipping right along just like me. But as soon as he got a little too big, they see what's happening. And, you know, Abel was the first one to start telling me, I thought he had lost his mind. He was like, I'm being shadow banned. They're after me. You know, I was like, is this guy sounded paranoid, right? Yeah. I was like, come on, bro. You, you, I thought you were on the level. He's like, no, you don't understand. They will eventually come after you. And I was like, ah, come on. And he's like, no, 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 no. They're coming at, trust me. They, you know, they're, they're after me. And as soon as, you know, my book got really big and I put a movie out and all this stuff and I get a little too big, they go, okay, now he's too big. Let's start knocking him down. That is, it's almost identical to what happened to him. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you, you get to a point where you look, they don't care when you're the little guy, but when you start breaking out, mm -hmm. they, they, they are coming. And it's not just, it's not just Wikipedia. Um, it's not just Facebook. Look, I have a movie that's been seen hundreds of thousands of times around the world, right? Uh, I'm on the biggest podcast in the world, the Adam Carolla show. Millions of people download that thing daily. When I first went on Twitter, I went from like zero people to a thousand people to 3000 to 7,000 to 10,000 to 20,000. It was, you know, it was like a trajectory that you could actually you know, see it was palpable, right? And then all of a sudden, I got to 30,000 and it's leveled off. Mm. Leveled off. And like, I, I'm at 33,000. 
a guy with an audience my size yep. should be north of 150,000, 200,000 or more. Easily. Right. But I, I was making that kind of rise and then leveled off. Uh, about two years ago, I went on Instagram and I, I remember my, one of my tech guys said, Oh my God, on day two, I was at 5,000 people. He was like, it's crazy. You're at 5,000 people. It takes people a year, two years to get to that. Then I was at 10,000 people. And then I was at 15. I got to 20. Cut you off. <laughs> you get to a thing and they just, and we look, we can look in the background for every hundred people I get. They remove 75 people. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you have 75 people going away every day on your Instagram? No. Yeah. That's what happens to me. I haven't upset so, the right people yet, apparently. But I, uh, I promised I wouldn't keep you too long, and we're looking at the Zoom countdown. we got five minutes left with you. Real quick, uh, the last time we had you on, actually, real quick for our audience, we, wanted, we the reason we talked about this is a cautionary tale. Gordon and I were talking last couple of podcasts about why uh, freedom of speech is important and how we used to have the saying that you can say what you want. I don't have to agree with it, but I will stand by your side to fight for you to say those things. And Vinny being on and saying what's happened to him just goes to show you that you don't have to be political. You don't have to say anything mean or vindictive towards any group of people. Um, but if you're have a positive message, even if it goes against something that somebody who has more power than you has, especially somebody in big tech world, they will happily shut you down. So that's why we want to get that message across real quick. Vinny, last time you're on, you're at your mom's house and I was listening to your uh, episode that came out today of fitness confidential and you had your mom on there and she was saying uh, she's recovering from some injuries and she was telling you one of the long-term effects of the surgery she has is she has a problem stirring the pot when she's in the kitchen. Yeah. Can I, can I hook you up with a gift idea for your mom? Sure. Go on Amazon. It's the Saki automatic pot stir for cooking with two speeds, adjustable, hand-free, uh, cordless, rechargeable, powerful automatic hot pot mixer, um, strong enough to stir, um, Sauces, porridges, risotto, I'm sure it can handle her um, Louisiana cooking. So go on Amazon, get your mama automatic pot stirrer, and then she can just set this thing. It'll stir her stuff, and she don't have to worry about her inability to do it herself. I, I will tell her about it, but I'm worried it's going to cut down on her actual aerobic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking that might help you in your battle to climb up one notch, getting closer to the favorite son. I'll but never be there. <laughs> I, I, I will never be the favorite son. You heard that woman, right? I was going to be, I, I almost wanted to pull a bald Brian on you. I was going to isolate the clip where uh, she was jokingly calling you a horrible person and email it to you so you can use it on your next show. But yeah, your mom is a delight. And i be honest yeah. with you, considering... You grew up in Louisiana. I know you guys are Italian. Her accent's not that thick. Did that go away with age? Uh, yeah, it's um, meaning the Italian stuff. Or no, the, meaning the um, the bayou, the Louisiana yeah, accent. Uh, it's not that bad. Right where I live on the bayou, uh, there's more of a New Orleans accent, which almost sounds Brooklyn. Like people always say to me, why are you putting on this Brooklyn accent? I'm like, no, it's not. It's a, it's called a yacht accent. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, and Donaldsonville is adjacent to New Orleans, and we all we shop there and we eat there, and it's more of an influence of New Orleans than it is um, anything else. And uh, yeah, we sound more Brooklyn-y than we do Southern Cajun. Well, Vinny, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And if you guys want more information, just head over to vinnytordridge.com and you can find his podcast, uh, Fitness Confidential, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere refined podcasts are found. Uh, Vinny, congratulations on uh, Fat the Documentary Part 2, which is also available on Amazon Prime and iTunes. 
Um, if you're a big cable subscriber, Amazon Prime is probably available on your cable box so you can watch that bad boy from the luxury of your bed like I do. Thank you so much for coming on, sir, and we will talk to you soon. Gordon, Don, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining Thank us. You, sir. Take it easy. And for the rest of you, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back with the rest of the episode, so hang tight. Real quick, before we get back to the show, I want to present you guys with a great opportunity, something that we've been working on that with Laughing Comedy Cafe and Larry Venturino, and that is Comedy Night with Digital 410. Basically, we want to take five of our friends every few weeks, take them down to Laughing Comedy Club, and enjoy local comedians. So right now, we're working on giving away a set of tickets, actually a bunch of tickets. I'm looking for five of you to join me on February 13th for the 8.30 show to go see Justin Smith at the Laughing Comedy Cafe. If you guys are interested in joining me and heading out to Laughing Comedy Cafe for some good times, laughing a few drinks, Email us at info at d-410.com. That is info at d-410.com. We hope to make this a regular thing. And if you're an OG5 member, head over to Patreon, sign in, and there's a little special intro for you guys too. But we're super excited to team up with Laughing Comedy Cafe. This is something we want to do on a regular basis, but we want to see what the interest is on your guys' side. So email us at info at d-410. If you want to go, head over to the Laughing Comedy Cafe with us and watch some local comedians and support local comedy. Thank you, guys, and back to the show. And we are back. No reason to go into the background music. You heard me clicking around. Look, I'm so happy Vinny joined us. Um, that was fantastic. I promised him we wouldn't keep him too late, but if you guys following along at home, you want to help prevent us from having... 30-minute-long interviews, wish they were longer, wish we didn't have to cut out and do the whole Zoom thing, you can help us by heading over to d-410.com, clicking on that Patreon link, sign up, it's a dollar a month. Get a handful, you do it, problem solved. We can afford the, the rich, fancy, luxurious version of Zoom. But how scary is that? that? Look, we went from a time where people were getting canceled for Me Too, which we can all make the argument that maybe these perverts should lose their jobs. Then we saw what happened with... Uh, parlor and trump and all that which once again you can make the claims that that political nonsense isn't you know exactly what the country needs right now but when you get to the point where you got big tech deplatforming well, people can't even argue that point though because i know but i'm just trying to freedom of speech is freedom of speech i'm just trying to be super neutral in the right. case of what the the whole point of having Vinny on people can make arguments for all the the things that we just spoke about when you have a guy who's putting out documentaries talking about how the food pyramid is a bunch of nonsense, talking about how we have an obesity ep epidemic, and not only talking about it, but bringing on experts to present hard facts, um, bringing on, in this fat the documentary too, he has an expert who was mm -hmm. a vegan. She was a vegan for years. She worked for a food magazine, uh, was assigned to do a story, started doing research, and the research she was doing led her to believe, realize that uh, eating red meat is actually needed. And he, so he brings on all these experts and presents his evidence. And the only thing that he's possibly doing that could be offensive to anybody would be towards vegans or people who are anti-red meat or uh, maybe people big who... Big sugar, big grain, Exactly. Right? People who have interest in selling, uh, you know, sugar and grain products. And Monsanto to be, must be mad. And to be deplatformed for that. And trust me, um, shadow banning is a real thing. Um, like I said... Even on a smaller scale, look, a lot of it's not has to do with on a smaller scale. We talked about this before. I stream this podcast on a bunch of different platforms, right? Yes. And back when Dave was on here, he made the argument, and it was a valid argument that maybe we're broadcasting too wide if we only 
broadcast it on a single point. Everybody would have to come there. You'd get your viewership up and you could quite possibly start monetizing and making money quickly. The only problem with that is shadow banning. Here's what I mean by that. There has been times where Facebook has had issues or the internet's had issues. And so we will record the show locally instead of broadcasting it. I will then take that show, upload it to YouTube, take the link and share it to YouTube. I mean, share it to Facebook and Facebook will not share that video to a majority of our followers because they don't want to share a link that would um, entice people to leave their platform where all their advertisers are and go over to Yacht in YouTube and watch YouTube's content where all their advertisers are. But if I stream this podcast to Facebook, now they will broadcast it to more of our people because if we get to a certain number of views and a certain number of hours then they will monetize and then they will start making money off of our content and all the platforms do that and so to try to build an audience off of youtube without having the ability to share it to other content uh, other platforms where they will happily share it to people unless i pay them 5 10 15 bucks it doesn't happen and so i would rather share the content on all these different platforms get my content out there and worry about all the other stuff later. Let's build an audience first. But so shadow banning is a, is a real thing. And so to see, you know, this big tech is just getting out of control. That's basically what it comes down to. Big brother. I hate to say oh, it. Oh, big really brother. Big uh, tech. Anyway, I, I, got a, I got something for you. Sure. Actually, it, it could have gone. It's not really a news story, but there was a study out of Penn State. And it's an interesting study. And it was a study of 300 people. I got to back it up here because I just think it's interesting. There is a new study that suggests, and you may wish you have not stopped doing this, uh, that... Picking my nose? Because I never stopped on that. That those who uh, watch stuff like The Walking Dead and horror movies and anything else that is post-dystopian was better prepared for the pandemic and handled the pandemic better than those who did not. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Carrie's whole movie love is B-Flix. She loves bad horror movies. She watches horror movies all the time. She was a big fan of The Walking Dead. When she ain't watching horror movies, she's watching mm-hmm. um, abused housewives get beat up on Lifetime Network. <laughs> I'm not saying she... I mean, she handled COVID quite well, but I think it's a bit of a stretch to say people who watch well that's well the interesting is thing is is that's not what they're going in looking for they were just kind of going in looking for um how people's psychology was affected by covid19 and um these claims are saying that you know that this covid19 psychological pot that uh watching these kinds of movies gave people a deeper emotional reserve that better protected them from covid19 psychological punish than those who avoided the films. They're saying after factoring out personality influences, which were actually quite strong, we found that more movies with zombies, alien invasions, apocalyptic um, pandemics, uh, people seen prior to COVID-19, the better they actually dealt with this. And, and they think that this, these kinds of movies and shows apparently served as a mental rehearsal for these kinds of events. And if you think about it, because we've always game, we got kind of game things out. You could kind of see that they say this. Um, the Penn State research began their works in hopes of identifying factors beyond a person's personality that contributed to the psychological preparedness 
and resilience in the face of a pandemic. And they think uh, horror films actually contributed to this reserve. So it'll be interesting. I'd like to see a study like this and obviously on the college level because, you know, it doesn't cost as much uh, to go out and, and just to see a little more, you know, 800 people isn't a lot to go by. Sure. It's just like, or I'm sorry, 300 people. The reason I said 800 people, because I, I had posted an article from USA Today about how people, Americans wanted, and this is a non-sequitur, Americans non wanted uh, uh, everybody to kind of come together, but they only interviewed 800 people, which is like, well, that's kind of a small sample size. But yeah. Needless to say, that's it's just kind of an interesting thought, you know, maybe there is some, some value to it. Well, and we even said back when this whole COVID thing was in full bloom, six months into it, that when you start seeing certain state representatives treat things a certain way and certain people act a different way, there's always been a study that says, you know, that a certain percentage of people act a certain way in an emergency. Um, most people's instinct is to flight, and then you have the fewer people whose instinct is to fight. Those people tend to be law enforcement or join the military, etc. But this probably, with the exception of obviously wartime um is definitely the biggest test of that theory that we've seen at least our lifetime oh, and yeah, we saw flight. it we saw it. there's the people who basically sheltered in place in their house waited for every single um order to come down from mount high and then there's the people like who went further the other way and refused to even follow the most reasonable request and so you definitely Fuck you, i won't do what you tell me you definitely saw it on on both both ends oh now we gotta wear two masks i'm gonna go ahead and jump into a self promoting i don't do these often <laughs> sure up. um actually no um well i guess we can do it go yeah. ahead man uh, you already on. got the cat out of the halfway out of the bag i'm trying to find the cat in the bag no i'm trying to find my file oh okay so we're going to go ahead and break into this week's self-serving version of the TikTok lesson of the week. And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. So I get one of those automatic voicemails from the school saying my child is not at school today. And I thought, well, that's weird because she was getting ready to leave when I left for work. Now I was on my way home to let the dog out anyhow. So I drove home and opened the garage door and her bike is not in the garage. So I thought to myself, is she skipping school? Is she riding around the neighborhood like Ferris Bueller on his day off? Or did she get abducted? Now I only live a quarter of a mile from the school, henceforth why she rides her bike. So I shut the garage door and head on down yonder to the school. Get out personally inspect the bike corral and there's her bike curious i thought so i went and talked to the secretary she checked up on my child and came to me and said don't worry her first period teacher accidentally marked her absent annoyed i said accidentally marked her absent i said how does that happen she says it happens all the time i said so parents are supposed to leave the work whenever they get these phone calls about their kids skipping school you know you could have called i said really you know your teachers could do their jobs look around the classroom and mark the appropriate kids absent and this has been the what's in your head podcast tiktok lesson of the week now that voice may sound familiar to you because well that was me that happened to me. And by the way, that TikTok currently has 58,000 views on TikTok and a plethora of comments, everything from people support me, telling me to calm down, Karen, to you don't know what it's like to be a teacher, which is entertaining because, well, Carrie's a teacher and she has been for quite a while. First question um, before I get into the story, what do you think the um, 
the tone of that TikTok was. Well, you think that was that angry? Was that the angry Don? Was that the complaining yeah, frustrated Don? Don. That's well, frustrated Don. Well, that's also the Don is trying to relay a whole story in sixty seconds with trying to add humor with the um, reference to Ferris Bueller in a day off. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I'm driving home, and Carrie gets a call at school saying Sariana's not at school. Now, full disclosure, we had a little tiff with her the night before. And so she wasn't exactly happy when I left for work. And so I was on my way home to let Bailey out because I try to let her home at certain times of the day. One, so she don't pee in the house. And two, to keep anybody spying on my house on their toes because I don't maintain a, you know, a solid pattern, if you will. A little home protection device. But anyhow, I was heading home. The school's only not even a quarter mile from my house. And so I drove home, as you heard. I opened up, yada, 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 went down to school. So I wasn't even upset. I wasn't even annoyed when I went down there because it wasn't out of my way. What annoyed me and what put a stick in my crawl was the devil may care, don't really give a shit attitude of the secretary. And I did censor that TikTok because we had a round two. So as you heard her say, don't worry, it happens all the time, to which I said, what, parents are supposed to leave school every time somebody accidentally Marks a student absent, and she's like, well, you could have called, and she tried to walk away and shut the door. And then that's when I said, or your teachers could do their jobs and look around and mark the appropriate kid absent. Second round was she came back again and said, or you could have called, to which I got louder and said, or your teachers could pull their heads out of their asses and do their jobs, at which point I left. Yeah, because that's like, okay, these people are teaching our children. If they can't get something as simple as freaking who's here and who's not and you know doing the roles straight what else are they screwing up now some of the comments i got on tiktok is what you never make mistakes and yes i do make mistakes and once again i'm not saying the teacher shouldn't make mistakes but if this is truly something that happens all the time doesn't it then become the role of the administration to go have a conversation with said person to find out why it happens all the time I mean, let's break it down to something simple. Let's say, Gordon, you're a shift manager at a restaurant, and you have a waiter that, for some reason, keeps forgetting to put silverware on the table. Not a big deal. It happens Part of the all job. the time. Now, how many customer complaints about not getting silverware are you going to listen to before you go talk to the waiter and say, hey, what's the deal? What, what about this activity are you struggling with? Yeah, it's almost like it's institutionalized failure. It's an acceptance of... Just, just unprofessionalism, to be but, quite honest. I mean, yeah. So if I had the restaurant, I'm sorry, Billy would either, he would be corrected on his action. And if Billy continued that, Billy would be down the road. And another thing, I start talk, I talked to Dad about because I was annoyed. And he's like, well, what about those kids, which I never understood? And we've all known these kids, or even worse, their parents. What about the kids who put a lot of stock into perfect attendance? Or what about those parents who put a lot of stock into perfect attendance? And then, you know, maybe a little more stock than they need to and a little extra hard on the kid. And what if they don't have the due diligence of making a phone call or driving around the school? What if they take the word of the school and now they're screaming at their kid for skipping school, even though they didn't? What about those kids? That's crazy. And so I actually called back because something hit me. This happens all the time. Um, about a week and a half after school break, we got an email from the school saying that Sariana had been tardy eight time, uh, six times in eight days, to which we had a conversation with her about. But now I'm wondering, 
was that conversation warranted or does this fall under the happens all the time? Maybe their first period teacher accidentally marked her absent. Maybe she wasn't tardy. And how many times did you hear, I was there. Six I times was there. Days. So I called the school and I asked to talk to the principal. Or actually, I requested a call back because no. I'm not the type to demand someone drop. I said, hey, can I get the principal calling back? What happened? I explained. Let me put you on the phone with the principal secretary. Okay, cool. Secretary gets on. Yeah, is it, can I, I'd like to request a call back from the principal. Can I ask what this is about? Yes, I got an automated phone call, came down there. Well, sir, cut me off. Do you think maybe the student had a um, substitute teacher? Maybe people might, and I tried to talk and she cut me off. And I finally said, can I please finish my statement? And so let's back up a little bit. This all started out with the who gives a shit attitude at the so front door. So she got door. defensive real effing quick, right? And then once I got past the front door on the phone, I had someone interrupting me, getting real defensive. And it wasn't until I presented my concerns about the six tardies that she agreed to have the principal call me back. And so the principal called me back, and I was civil with her, and I explained what happened. And she's first and foremost, you know, I really wish the secretary wouldn't use those words. This is something we take serious, but in this case, your daughter had a substitute teacher. And I said, well, I haven't been to school since 1997. Maybe it's a little old school. Do they say, hey, Bob, I'm here, Sally, here, or do they just look at a seating chart? She said, well, a lot of teachers use the seating charts, but substitutes tend to call it the names because they don't know the children's name. Fair enough. And I told her, I said, once again, I, I said, I, I'm not one of these parents who throw a fit. I didn't complain when you guys kicked my kid out of school three and a half hours after she returned from getting her braces. And I had to go take her to get COVID clearance from the doctors before you allowed her back in school. I didn't complain. Um, I did get to the bottom of the uh, six tardies. She was tardy. Turns out um, homeroom starts at 937. Education starts at 940. The kid wasn't leaving the house until 938. And so she wasn't there by 940. So we adjusted that. I set a reminder on her echo. That problem's been taken care of. But most importantly, I explained to her principal. I said, look, my uh, better half is a teacher. We take our child's education very seriously, but more importantly, since my better half is a teacher, we understand that one of the biggest problems educators face are the parents out there who fail to believe that their little princess can never do anything wrong. They always take the side of the child over the student, and you know the student could be stealing stuff, the student could be bullying other ch children, and the parents are just fail to believe that their little Johnny could be doing such a thing. And I said, because we deal with that on a daily basis, our go-to default setting is to take the word of the school until facts have been proven differently. And then I went down to what if I wouldn't have checked and went home and screened at my kid for skipping school even though she was here. I said, when our default go-to is to take the word over the school, we need to have confidence that the school's telling us the truth. And that's another issue. So anyhow, we wrapped all that up, but it's just like... First and foremost, who knew that that type of TikTok would get me 58,000 views and like over 500 followers this week? Um, so that's fun as and As much good. as Bailey? Is it as much as Bailey yet? Um, Bailey's at 500,000, so I'm, okay. I'm way so off of that. Go. But um, for one of my stupid in-truck rants, it's definitely the most views and definitely the most comments. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, that goes to show you never know what's going to go trending. I won't say viral because it's not yep. viral, but never that won't go trending. But it's, you know, kind of like we said, yes, it's not the most important. Actually, someone pointed out a good thing. Uh, somebody brought up a good thing on my TikTok. Let's say worst case scenario. Your student was accidentally marked absent. 
something happened. There's a fire at the school. There's a shooting at the school. Something where people are missing and they got to use the attendance as a record of accountability. Well, let's say my child went to school and something bad happened and now they can't find her, but they're not looking for her because she was accidentally marked absent. Some liability issues there. Yeah, so it's just... Look, I get it. People make mistakes. And I, once again, I wasn't upset at the teacher for making a mistake, but at least have the insight to filter your comments to the general public when something like that happens. <laughs> exactly. So uh, before you kick into your story, because this is something I learned over the weekend and I thought about bringing it up, and this is a good segue, and it is a shitty situation, and it has to do with dogs. And it's something I found out, and I went down a rabbit hole, and there was a science, but pay attention to Bailey when she uses the bathroom and, and get a compass out. <coughs> do what? When Bailey uses the bathrooms, get your compass on your phone. I don't watch her. I just open the door and let her go to her thing. Well, this is going to be an interesting study, and I would like to back it up. Dogs use the Earth's magnetic field when they're relieving themselves. Not only that, but they choose to do it on a north-south axis. So this study, and this is published from PBS, uh, and it was done by the journal Frontiers in Zoology, uh, suggests that dogs are sensitive to small variation in the Earth's magnetic fields. So they basically took 70 dogs, which was 37 different breeds over two years, which basically came out to 1,893 defecations and 5,582 urinations. I had to have that job. Researchers found that under calm magnetic field conditions, dogs preferred to excrete with the body being aligned along the north-south <laughs> axis, avoiding the east-west altogether. Why was this study? So if you're needed? lost in the woods with no compass, watch your dog. You've got a dog. You at least know which way north and south is. Or you just look the at the way the moss is growing on the tree. But I guess that's a little old-fashioned. Now, I guess in order to get a true bear, see where the flaw in that survival technique is this. In order for that to work, you have to make sure you're out of the line of sight of the dog. Because as many um, dog professionals will tell you, if you ever notice that when you take your dog out, they're always crapping with their ass facing you. You ever notice that? Yeah, I'm always standing to the north or south of him, too. Well, they say the reason the dog always faces with their brown eye facing you is because you're watching their back. When they live in a pack and they defecate... They always defecate with their ass towards the pack so that they can watch this way and the pack's watching their ass from predators coming up from behind. So it's if like you're lost in the woods and you're waiting for your dog to take a piss or shit, more than likely, they're not going to pull out their internal compass. They're going to just point their ass towards you and say, hey, get my six, buddy, because we're about to go to Chinatown. It's like watching the world's worst Play-Doh machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was just kind of interesting. They said that's one of the reasons that they take forever to figure out where they're going to go is they're... they're zeroing in on their compass but uh and they say that hardly ever goes east west which i think is <coughs> kind of interesting he'll start north south but he'll he'll end up a different direction especially if he's got a hanger but um you know yeah. I, I had a thought oh. the other day and with us still hanging on in the tail end of 2021 and um you know people losing their jobs and struggling to pay bills it's very easy to get caught up in the woe is me of your own demise or your own troubles. Yeah. And it's very easy to get complacent about your own personal standing in life and society. And I try to remind myself that there's always somebody willing to trade places with you no matter how bad you think you have it. 
whether it's the guy standing on the curb begging for food or the guy living in the studio apartment who hears you got a three-bedroom house and you're complaining about your house isn't nice enough. Or 50% of the people in Walmart. Um, here's a little story, a little reminder that reminded me of this. Um, as you guys know, I used to have a black Toyota Tacoma. It was a base model. Mm-hmm. So base, in fact, that it, well, it had base, but it didn't have a key fob. Didn't have cruise control. Had a four-cylinder, cloth seats. Um, I drove the thing so much that the ignition key would no longer unlock the glove box because it is worn down enough. I, I, a few times I locked my glove box. I had to come home and get my second key, which I never used, in order to unlock the thing. Um, it got to a point where the key was getting to where it didn't want to unlock the door because I used it so much, no key fob. And so, you know, I... <laughs> I liked the truck. It was nice. It was all blacked out. It looked good, but it was a base model truck. But I, you know, I loved the truck, but I was never completely satisfied with it. It was just the best of what I could afford. Right. And I remember I was going through a Taco Bell drive through at work one day. That's crazy where I was at if I'm at Taco Bell. Taco in your taco. And the guy in the window was mm-hmm. so pumped to see my truck that he explained to me in no uncertain terms that I was driving his dream truck. And so here I am in my normal daily life saying, oh, my truck's nice, but it's not what I want. If I wish I could have a V6 Tacoma or, you know, a key fob would be nice cruise control. Getting down to myself, this is the best I could do is this base model Toyota Tacoma with some nice rims on it. But even that base model Tacoma with the worn out key, the, the seats with the stained uh, seat covers on it, um, doesn't even have an electric rear window, just super basic base model. Someone you mean would, you were so bad off you had to reach back and I just I never off. opened it. I would no? open it every once in a while just to blow the dust out of the back. But I no oh, come on, you had the wingspan. I know you can I open it once or twice, but no, now my tundra I open it all the time. But it's just because, those kind of reminders are nice. And you know, every once in a while things are getting rough around here. I you know, I remind Carrie, hey, there's people we know who would mm-hmm. happily switch lives with us even on our i like the front. sos button in the taco because it's like a a nuclear launch button you have to flip open a <laughs> that must be a 2018 thing why didn't have an sos button yeah it, yeah it's got it's tied in like it's like a super star length case there's a problem so you flip this you flip a cover open and then you push the button for your emergency so uh yeah i thought that was kind of kind of cool i will say i've noticed the the number of um street median panhandlers is continuing to grow yes it is unfortunately before we get into the news because we are running a little long i saw the new blazer today is that the one that looks like a toyota that's the one that Camry? looks like um i did a tiktok on it i won't play but basically i said hey the blazer was called the blazer because it was a trailblazer it was supposed to be a trailblazer in the 70s with along with the bronco in the four-wheel drive community and in the 90s it turned into a small suv Gordon, the thing's a fucking crossover now. It doesn't even yeah. look like a Blazer. They're just That's living off I, the namesake of it. Why not just yeah, get a different like name? It looks like a Corolla, that, like a Corolla CUV. Yeah, it looks like almost like a Subaru crossover. Yeah, and what's amazing is now Ford with the new Bronco, that's spot on. They've done a good job with that, but yeah. Um, why Why not just change the name? It's not a Blazer. It's not even a fucking Jimmy. Oh, wait till the, will they bring the Lumina back out? But <laughs> well, the Lumina was a van. What, I mean, what are they going to do? Come out and with a car. There's two versions. So what are they going to do? Come out with a four wheel drive truck and call it a Lumina? I mean, that's basically I the opposite of what they're well. doing with the Blazer. 
the blazer, like I said on my TikTok, the only thing that thing is blazing, only trails that thing's blazing is the drive through at a grand opening of a new Starbucks. It is not going anywhere. It it just it's blazing a trail to Trader Joe's. Don't it, don't get me wrong. If it was called like the Snazatorium or whatever, it'd be a great car. But the fact that they put the Blazer brand on this thing and it's not even an SUV, it's a crossover. It's well, it's like the new Ford Electric Mustang. Does it look like a Mustang at least? No, it's a CUV. Hmm. The name Fusion would be better fitting for it. I saw one on my walk before they put them on the market at the uh, one of the charges at the gas station. And I saw a video before that with Ken Block testing one. They kept saying, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't hoon it. Don't squeal the tires. And, uh, well, he's no longer with Ford. It's kind of interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's got the, it's got the grill shape. It's got the front end shape, but it's not a Mustang. Ooh, it's that time. The Netflix binge worthy show. Last episode, we talked about man down. And I played a few clips of that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we also spoke last week, my friend Brad from high school came down and was visiting on Fort Myers Beach. And he was going on and on raving about the Kiefer Sutherland show, Designated Survivor. Have you seen this? I saw the first three seasons when it was on network TV. I have not caught it up with it since uh, it was canceled and pushed to Netflix where they started continuing. So um, here's just a brief scenario. Basically, I don't know if this is true politic. I'm sure they have something. They probably don't call it this physical name. But basically, anytime they have a state of a union where the president, the vice president, the speaker of the house on down the line of um, what's the uh, not sedition. What's the line that they use? um, Anyhow. Right on order down. of succession. Order of succession. Whenever all those people in one room, they they take a cabinet member and sequester them off site in case of the worst case scenario, where that if all those people get wiped out, you have somebody who acts as a president. Here is the opening scene, episode one of the designated survivor. Here come the greatest hits. To ensure you that the same American dream, shared by our fathers, our mothers, and their fathers, and their weird we'll come back on see if you can get it to work okay. yeah no i know ours just went black too tom oh my god i'll get back to you mr secretary you need to put the phone down mike what the hell is going on i said put the phone Ma'am, down okay we've lost contact with the capital we're sheltering in place until we know more i need your government issued blackberry what do you have any other devices on you Mr. Secretary, get away from the window now. So he opens the window to see the Capitol building under a giant mushroom cloud. And lo and behold, the man who was formerly the Secretary of Housing Urban Development has now become the president because he was, in fact, the designated survivor. Now, in last week's episode, we were talking about how I was asked about what I felt about a current a, a currency-less society. Basically, a society where we get a Bitcoin, yada, yada, yada. We have no hard currency. And this is kind of, a little, kind of what I was getting to when I said if you don't have control of your own funds, especially in an emergency... Um, one, a society without um, 
a society without currency is a society that can't survive without technology and a society without currency isn't a society that's fully free. So episode two, he's now the president. He's getting along with what remains of the government and they're trying to figure out what to do. And here's one of the suggestions that kind of piqued my interest. Sir, I just have to warn you, this might be a bit more hectic than you're used to. I understand. I think we'll be fine. We've added increased security to our oil and gas pipelines, power grids, refineries, chemical storage tanks. Mass transit is still on lockdown. Planes and trains. Immigration remains frozen. Sir, you have to authorize we close the banks immediately. No, we can't do that. We cannot keep the American people from their money. 48 hours without Bank of America is better than a 48-month depression. If everyone withdraws their money at the same time, the banks will collapse. Where are we at with the bombing? Deputy Director Atwood will be briefing us soon, but we're looking at groups with the skills and resources to do something like this. Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, North Korea, RGB. What's this about violence? in Michigan. We're getting reports of flare-ups in Dearborn. Police so that was very interesting that yeah, one of the things they're concerned with during emergency is everybody emptying out the banks. Now, obviously, that is a proper concern, but you should always, in a case of emergency, have access to some of your funds, maybe it's a grand or two. With, yeah, it's oddly specific with flare-ups in Michigan, too. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I had to remind myself is that this show was is a political show, even though the new president's an independent. It's definitely written by a certain group of people during a certain administration, and um, or early on, it came out. What was it before he was in office? Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, no after he was in office. No, I think it's yeah. It may have been right about the right same on the cusp. Time he went in right on the cusp. Anyway, ready to do the news. And one last clip, because now. The FBI is trying to figure out what's going on, and you're always going to have that one rogue FBI, much like a TV show or a movie, kind of like um, Lethal Weapon, where the rogue cop has a theory that no one wants to believe in. Whoops. Explain myself to you, Hannah. I gave the president what I determined was the most relevant intel. Or you gave him what the group who did this wanted you to give him. How can he lead if he doesn't have all the facts? Then you should have given them to me. Look, it's not that I don't believe you or that I don't want to. Someone blew up the Capitol. Who knows what's possible anymore? On top of that, we've got a guy in office who's number 11 in the line of succession. I can't go to him with speculation right now, so if you want me to go back to him with your theory, please prove it. All in all, it's a good show. Um, you have to go into it with a little bit of suspension of belief, and there will be times where you roll your eyes um, and it is fun to see that his son is the uh, kid and um, the secondary star in uh, Cobra Kai. Um, so there's that. But all in all, the acting in it's great. Um, the special effects, the recreation of the White House, Air Force One. It's a good show. I'm almost through season one. Um, as it progresses towards the end of season one, I find myself rolling my eyes more and more. Real quick, the FBI agent you heard there is without a doubt the dumbest, worst FBI agent in the world. There's been three times in season one where she's trying to be co-optive and investigate someone. First time, she pulls up in front of their house at night, lays her headlights on with a car running in front, inside their, in front of the driveway, and then surprised that they sneak out the back when she goes snooping around. Right. And there's two other times where she's trying to be covert, where she's constantly leaving on the goddamn headlights of her car in the middle of her investigation instead of parking down the street and walking in her unsensible shoes, by the way. And so the ongoing joke between me and shoes. Carrie is she's the worst agent in the FBI history. And she's just, she's smart, but her tactics are horrible. And it's amazing. She doesn't have horrible things happen to her before they do because uh, her um, 
her field operating skills are atrocious at best. Now, one of the details I remember from that show that I thought was oddly detailed oriented was how thick the doors were coming into the Oval Office. Yeah, I noticed that too, especially the like, one. Jesus Christ, that thing's a foot thick. Yeah. So they definitely had somebody on their tech squad or their, uh, what is that called? Their um, it's, uh, set production. Yeah. So either that or maybe they had to make it thick because what tends to happen on shows like that, because they're not full structures that when people open doors, the whole wall tends to wobble. So maybe they had to double down on the width to make it I'll look more realistic. Thick. I'm I sure it is too. Really thick. All right. Let, uh, let's, let's go ahead and hop into the news. Oh, I gotta get your intro, intro, intro. Joining us now from the digital 410 West news desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. Speaking of man down, we have a screech down. Yes, I saw this on TikTok, believe it or not. Uh, Saved by the Bell star Dustin Diamond unfortunately succumbed to cancer at the ripe young age of 44. I never knew he had cancer. The last time I heard anything about screech is when that video came out with him and some bride-to-be at some uh, bachelorette party within Vegas. West, yeah. So that I remember hearing something maybe a month ago that he came out saying that he had cancer. He's already in stage four. He found out like lung just cancer, now. wasn't it? Um, got to get through the article. Okay. <laughs> so, well, you start reading. Uh, I'm gonna let Bailey in. So okay. So Saved by the Bell star Dustin Diamond passed away Monday after a three-week fight with cancer, according to his representatives. He was the young age of 44. According to his representatives, and uh, just in case you didn't hear it, he only had a three-week fight with cancer. Wow. So he did not suffer. He did not have to lie submerged in pain. For that, we are grateful, according to the actor, spokesman Roger Paul. I think that's the way I would want to go. If I'm going to get cancer, especially a cancer that has a very uh, minute chance of successful treatment, I would want to, you know, two, three weeks between the time I found out and time it was yeah. to that point. Uh, th- so, I don't know if I could do that to my family and friends where you're like doing the two year battle uh, thing. Yeah. So diamond who oddly looks like a family member mm-hmm. uh, was best known for playing the quirky nerdy screech on the hit 1990s sitcom saved, saved by, by the, the bell. bell. He was uh, actually hospitalized last month in Florida and his team disclosed later that he had cancer. Um, he had had a carcinoma, which is generic for cancer. They're not saying which one. Uh, former co-star Mario Lopez did go to Twitter to say uh, goodbye. Dustin, you will be missed. My man, the fragility of life is something to never be taken for granted. Another co-star, Mr. Mark Paul Gosselar, called Diamond a true comedic genius. Comedic genius. Because I can't speak. Uh, and adding that I will miss uh, those raw, brilliant sparks that he was only only he was able to produce. So uh, as we know, Saved by the Bell was between eighty nine and ninety three, uh, which is probably right in the sweet spot for you. Um, well, and I posted on our Facebook tonight that this guy can never catch a break. Obviously, we were just talking about the last thing he was known for, which was the debacle in Vegas. But he is one of those storybook examples of the stage parents. Um, he was one of these kids that just didn't get protected by the law. And basically all the money he made on Saved by the Bell prior to him turning 18, his parents blew. 
So once he turned 18, he was flat busted broke with the exception of what money. I don't even have to show. I know the show came back later where he played the principal for a while, but any of the large sums of money that he made prior to being 18, I don't know if there's any syndication money for him, but I do know his, his basically his dad blew all his money and treated him like shit. His dad was using him as a meal ticket. So all that, all those years being a, a child actor financially for him was for nothing. Absolutely. And it is sad. He will be missed. Now we're going to move on to musician Brian Warner. That name may sound familiar to you. And unfortunately, Mr. Warner, also known as Marilyn Manson, has been dropped by his record label after Evan Rachel Wood said that he had horrifically abused me. So another cancel. How about now, the fact that he hasn't put an album out in 20 years would be enough yeah. to drop him from his label? When's last, I mean, last time he did anything was when he was on Sons Anarchy and he gained 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, and in the light of today's distur- disturbing allegations by Evan Rachel Wood, who played in the show, Westwood, was it? Mm-mm, I'm wrong. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, she uh, said... Uh, named Marilyn Manson as a Manson as her abuser and along with other women Loma Vista will cease to further promote his current album effective immediately I didn't know he had a current album a recording tweeted on Monday uh, Loma Vista's tweeted on Monday due to the these concerning developments we have also decided not to work with Marilyn Manson on any future product projects so Wood who had been vocal past the past few years about experiencing domestic abuse and sexual assault wrote in an Instagram post early Monday morning that the 52 year old Manson, whose real name is Brian Warner, as we said, had started grooming me when I was a teenager. Wood, who is 33, added, I was brainwashed and manipulated into submission. I am done living with fear of retaliation, slander, or blackmail. Well, Google's always listening. And all I had to type in was Evan when the whole thing came up. Um, you may most recently know her as the lead role in Westwood. So I was right. So Westworld, I'm sorry. But no, she was in uh, 1,000 Paper Cranes, Queen, um, Vienna and the Phantoms, Westworld, uh, Kilimanjaro, Evan Rachel Wood, is, um, sorry, Frozen 2. She did the voice, Myth of a Frozen Tale, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, Drunk History, Flavor of Youth, Allure, Into the Forest, Doll and M, etc. Robot Chicken. Um, yeah, going all the way back down. I mean, scrolling to the bottom of my IMDb page, she has credits going all the way back to 1994 when she played in the best of families, marriage and pride, uh, TV movie. So, I mean, she's been actively acting since 1994, which coincides with her story. Cause Manson got on the scene around 1995, 96 ish. And so that's just creepy. It is creepy. Speaking of creepy. This one's a Berlin man. It's not a not a Florida man, but a Berlin man was caught directing directing flight traffic with a radio. Nice. So a man has been arrested in Berlin on allegations that he made radio contact with air traffic, according to uh, including police helicopters, and he gave flight fake flight orders while impersonating an aviation official, according to German police on Friday. Thirty-two year old whose identity has yet to be released for good reason. In line with the German privacy laws, was arrested Thursday night in the capital's eastern Kopnik district, according to police. Uh, police said they were able to swoop in on his apartment after he made contact with a police helicopter. And uh, 
that was dispatched to the neighborhood in hopes of flushing him out and flushed him out. They did. According to search of his home, police found two radios that transmitted on frequencies needed to make contact with aircraft. According to a, a tweet from the Berlin police, uh, for everyone who has been asking about our police helicopter operations in the Kopernik, uh, an unusual arrest has been made due to this. So this man is alleged to have made contact with pilots of passengers and transport aircraft, as well as state and federal police helicopters over the past six months, giving potentially dangerous instructions and becoming increasingly professional with his communications. No accidents or incidents at this time have been known. No harm, no foul. Problem solved. And now, breaking news. Over here on the Cape Coral News Desk, lawsuit claims Subway tuna sandwiches contain no tuna. Subway taking another hit again. Surprise. First, I mean, how much tuna can a $5 sandwich possibly have in it? Zero. First, they get sued for not actually selling footlong footlongs, and now this. Well, and in Ireland, their bread is not considered bread by law. Because it has too much sugar in it. A class action lawsuit filed last week in California accuses Subway, the Connecticut-based fast food giant, of fraud and falsifying advertisements over the content of its tuna sandwiches, which the suit claims is an entirely non-tuna-based mixture that uh, defendants blend. I'm sorry, that uh, mixture that uh, uh, blends that resemble tuna to imitate its texture. Doesn't say anything about where the taste come from. Subway denies allegations, telling NBC News that the statement, quote, delivers 100% cooked tuna to its restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used freshly made sandwiches and wraps. Now, I wonder what the uh, mixture um, parts of that tuna to mayonnaise is. Probably like 0.05% tuna to 95.05% mayonnaise it's these, like a artificial crab mm-hmm. quote these baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchise small business owners who work tirelessly to uphold the high standards that subway sets for all its products including its tuna maggie trudeau subway's director of global pr said in an email statement to the nbc news quote given the facts the lawsuit uh constitutes a reckless and improper attack on Subway's brand and goodwill and on the livelihood of its California franchisees. Indeed, there is no base in the law or facts that the plaintiff's claims which are flavored and uh, sorry, which are frivolous and are being pursued without adequate investigation. Over the course of a dozen of pages of the lawsuit, plaintiffs Karen Dowood and somebody else claim that they are seeking a uh, represent a class of Subway customers who bought tuna sandwiches that they claim, quote, entirely lack any trace of tuna as a component, let alone main or predominant ingredient. Uh, scrolling through, there's no statement on how much money they're looking to get from this class action lawsuit, but I'm sure the lawyer will make out like a bandit, and the morons who sign up for these class action lawsuits will get $150 after it's all said and done. <clears throat> You ever got one of those emails where like somebody's trying to get people for class action lawsuits and you yeah, read through and, and you're just like, you could possibly get $75. How you much is the lawyer 75 make? cents. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And nobody looked more dejected than Bailey when you read that story. She's mm-hmm. very upset that it's not tuna in that, that well, sandwich. Well, prior to the show, we discovered Bailey chewing on, on my um, razor blade from uh, the mailing people. And I found the head under the bed, and the blade was chewed up. But lo and behold, no blood, no scars, nothing. So 
Um, somehow this little billy goat got a hold of our razor blade and was chewing on it from Dollar Shave Club. So I was concerned that she swallowed the blade, and I was preparing myself for a very hefty veterinarian bill to get it x-rayed until I found it underneath the bed. You know Dollar Shave Club is now owned by Unilever since 2016? Hmm, doesn't surprise me. Anyway, one last story. Las Vegas police rescue 300 cocks, wait, I mean 300 roosters used in cockfighting in a Vegas neighborhood. That shit's so gross. It is fucking awful, right? Animal cruelty detectives with the Metropolitan Police Department and animal control said they rescued more than 300 roosters for a cockfighting for cockfighting from a neighborhood in northeast Las Vegas today. Not to say much about demographics, but it is not surprising. Would you say uh, it's a cultural problem? Yeah, very much a cultural problem. Um, authorities say, but hey, it's their culture. Uh, authorities say, even though it's disgusting, authorities say that uh, the bust took place at a house on Judson Street near Cary Avenue between Pecos and Lamb Boulevard. And um, they said that uh, one person in custody on drug-related charges, yeah, you don't say, according to the department, and they're expecting more charges to follow related to animal cruelty. Many of the roosters had their combs and spurs removed oh. in preparation for the fighting. Trainers will cut off these rooster spurs and combs before forcing them to fight each other with sharp blades attached to their legs until one of the animal dies. Razors that are attached to the bird's legs will also was also located on the property, according to Metro, which described cockfighting, as we all can say, as a violent and cruel. And sport. depending on the amount of damage to the quote-unquote winner, a lot of times they die too. <clears throat> Chicken so, dinner. Yep. Do, 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 do. Where are you going, dog? This concludes <clears throat> the evening news, and now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on another Monday. On the behalf of Gordon Abernathy, Vinny Tortoridge, Bailey, and myself, thank you guys so much, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Please head over to YouTube.com and uh, click on that... Um, Actually, look for the Digital 410 Network if you wouldn't mind, and like and subscribe. You can find me on TikTok um, and with my my currently trending video at close to 60,000 where I complain about my uh, kids' school. And you can find us on Facebook and all that good stuff. We will talk to you all next week. Now I'm elevated. You still get elevated. Your life is not progressing, but yet you celebrate it. Still live that same old same life, still getting medicated. Still living day to day like nothing's premeditated. Like you the baddest with your eyes low. Tripping with a child at home. Sitting while you styrofoam. Sipping, coming home with strange men. Why he lie alone and listen and wake up and go to work and deny his whole existence. Shit. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>